0: Most of us are in recovery, and um, in recovery they bring us to the root of the problem, which is obsession with self, and uh, my feeling is that's not the problem. The problem is identification of self, it's a little different. I would say the obsession with self is how the mind reinforces the identification sounds like a little semantical difference but it's huge because if you are obsessed with self as a self you can't entertain being free of it because you're identified as it. Yeah. There's a good example in the book where they talk about uh, page 64 before they go into the uh, inventory process they said they make a statement and uh, it says being convinced that self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. That's a really important statement to me, because convinced means to believe with certainty. Because if you're, tr- if you're convinced here, you'll be unconvinced, yeah? This place, this the mind works on a binary system, it's dualistic, yes, no, high, low, good, bad, male, female, close, far. So this thing can seem to be convinced deeply and then five minutes later be unconvinced as we found out many times. I've been at like a hospital and institution meetings where people with the most utmost sincerity talk about they are done and then the next day I see them on the streets getting loaded. Yeah? So there's no backing of that convinced, unconvinced. But it says being convinced that self meant manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. So he separates the two. He says self and us are different. And in this room, if we asked what self has defeated us, we all have the same answer. It would be my self Yeah, uh, M-Y. And M-Y to me is the act of identification or claiming or owning you know, my house, my body, my thoughts, my feelings. So that act of identification is the real root of the problem. Self is a mental activity, selfing—I like to call it. It's a mental process. In some neuroscience, they've even—they're putting it out now that there is no self. And, uh, that the self, the, the idea of being a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, is generated by the brain. You know, a certain mental process of the brain. It is what I would call selfing. And in that process the selfing it's a it's a it's a feeling that's quicker than it's a like a vibratory state that's faster than all the other states and more consistent than all the other states so no matter what comes and goes there's always a feeling it's coming and going to you yeah you know? the feeling of you is faster than everything else it's always seemingly in place you know while things are moving at a slower rate it's going faster so everything is when it constantly seems like something's happening to you. Not to a body, but to you. So, alright, so maybe, maybe, maybe not the mental process is producing this idea of being a self. When you were a baby, you didn't have that the first year or so. You didn't have a sense of being an independent entity. Because the mind hadn't set it up yet, yeah? And then the mind started setting it up, and then it got stronger and stronger. And then the narration the thoughts that are coming that are appearing in language form that talking to oneself in a sense or talking about oneself or talking about others in one's head is the is the obsession with self that reinforces the identification. because if you see it, it says self has defeated us and self doesn't have the ability really to defeat you only when it becomes your self then it can defeat you very easily. Most other people's selves don't defeat you. You may be really engaged with them and they may drive you crazy, but if you get away from them, you'll probably feel relief. You can't get away from you because you identify identified as it. So wherever you go, it goes with you. Yeah, it's like a parasite and you're the host. It's not letting go. So the idea of the itself defeating us is the my. So there's a bondage, like it's says in recovery, please relieve us of the bondage to self. That bonding agent is the narration, is the K-Paul, so to speak, or K-Casey or K-Brave, that's playing all day in language form and bringing us information about us and them and the world and what's going to happen and all like this, constantly. So it's like a radio station broadcasting and that broadcast reinforces the identification. It has to be constantly applied because it's not really a natural bonding, you know? It's hard to bond no thingness with thingness, yeah? And that's what the mind's doing. It's bonding, let's say, awareness or spirit or consciousness with a body, yeah, through a mental process. It's pretty amazing, yeah? It uses the body, of course it doesn't really care much about the body, but it uses the body to, to uh, verify the identification, yeah? Because I felt this. You know, I felt this. Stuff. So that's going on in, in my view. And then it says it manifests in various ways. Yeah. So if you ever read the dictionary and you look up self, and then there's a hyphen and then there's about 90 words that come after it, like uh, deprecation, uh, destruction, love, trust. There's about, I'd say, 10% of what you call positive, 90, or negative in a sense. So self these are expressions of self. Yeah? It's um, a myriad of expressions, but basically if you weigh them, there'd be about 90 on the, what you would call, adverse side and maybe 10 on the, on the promotion side. So, all right, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We will now look at its, meaning self's, yeah. common manifestations. The next paragraph is the word resentment. So if you look at it in this light, when we're doing an inventory process, we're not doing an inventory on our fears and our resentments. That's the act of being identified with the expressions of self. Self is expressing it throughout through this life by being by our being identified with it, and its expressions are it produces resentments how it views things. And it has anxiety because it's unreliable. It's that simple. And so it's producing all these effects through us into this life, and while it's doing it, we're calling it ours. That's the act of being identified. How can you expect to get relief from the expressions of self if you keep identifying with them all fucking day? (laughs) I mean, it's like crazy. Even at a recovery meeting, people are talking from the problem, in the act of the problem, about the solution. That's why there's no long-lasting radical relief. I mean the problem seems to take no energy to get it going, does it? The problem doesn't have to go on retreats to be a good problem. It's fucking nasty and going off, like constantly. Seems like it's very vigorous and robust, but the solution seems to be very flimsy, has to be constantly applied, huge amount of vigilance, and it doesn't produce any long lasting results. It doesn't even fulfill the name of, the definition of a solution. it's just like patchwork we're trying to manage something that's fucking unmanageable we're trying to make something somewhat bearable that's really unbearable I mean to live in irritability restlessness and discontent means constantly seeking for relief and yet there's never a point where you reach the saturation point of relief where you're relieved, (laughs) you know, that's it it's a a state where you're relieved, it doesn't seem to occur you know so something must be flawed you know so it, the way I was taught in recovery was not in that light I was never pointed out to me that these are expressions of self in your life and even if that was pointed out they never put the idea that maybe you identified as a, with a foreign installment so to speak a product of a mental process you may be Paying allegiance to a product of a mental process and giving it the biggest meaning you can give anything—bigger than the meaning of God—and that is, it's you. I mean, you can't crown it with a bigger, you know, crown than that. So, so in recovery, we come in here totally, usually whacked pretty good, because eh? it's a—if you see it as a parasite, it's a hostile parasite. You've got to give it that. I mean it's not that benign to the host, you know. Once it takes you over it sort of treats you not well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it has to have a great strategy. It can't it wouldn't your natural inclination would be to kick it off after like three hours of being occupied by it. You would see it as such a fucking terror, yeah, and you would just want to get rid of it, and you would get rid of it. Because you'd have a power to get rid of it, but see, its strategy is good because it convinces you that it's you, its activity you're taking it to you. I mean, and I'll tell you one thing I know about the the uh, this formatted program of mind. Whatever it's identified as, it cannot entertain being free of. It cannot. It can't go there. It has to. That's what happened with me. When I saw self as something foreign to me, immediately my head entertained I could be free of it. And that's the beginning of radical relief. But if you're identified as it, it sort of subverts that next move of mind of going, hey, this isn't good, I can be free of it. Now, this isn't good, I can terrorize it. That's the best it can come up with. Or I can socialize it. Or I'll, you know, read a lot of books to try to get it on my side. Maybe self-love will work. Maybe I'll get a lot of esteem for it. Maybe I'll bring up all this for it. Maybe for it. Maybe I can just buy it off. Has it worked? Because there's no way I can entertain being free of it if I'm identified as it. There's no way I saw it. So this was like a radical bit of information that came to me. You know, for me. And it turned into, you know, like it's talked about in the book, that after around step ten, they say, know, now you'll be of sound mind, so to speak, and uh, things start, will, will start happening. And one of them, which is beautiful, is you'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. So at that point, see, maybe in the beginning of recovery, you're under the idea that you're the doer and you have to do and have yourself out of some stuff. Yeah, you've got to get some self-esteem because you're way broken down. But at this point, it's saying... That, that modality of doing and having has no effect in this level. It's like, you're going to be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. In other words, it has absolutely nothing to do with the system you're relying on anymore, thinking and doing. yeah. Something's going to shift. And then it says, the problem will not exist for you, which is a really good solution. Yeah. If you've been suffering from the effects of a problem for so long, and then somehow it, does, it lives as if it doesn't exist for you anymore, that's pretty cool. But I found what really sets it up to last is when it doesn't exist as you. Yeah? Because if it doesn't exist for you, that will be an experience and that will come and go. It will seem to exist for you then again and then it won't and then it will. And usually if you wait out the will and the won't, it, it, it did appear to be <laughs> a problem more than when it doesn't appear to be a problem. But if it does not exist as you, if the identification as self, that bondage to being a self, has been broken, then you get some radical relief. That's worthy of the name solution. Yeah, it's worthy of it, and because it does, it's sort of like uh, all it needs is a little ignition. Yeah, all it needs is an entertaining. It's all there. It's just like these meetings to me are ignitions. They're entertain. They're an invitation. Invitation isn't like a fifty-page dissertation. Yeah? It's just an invitation. A message usually is small, short. Yeah? It's not like a, a four-day intensive. It's just an invitation or a message because it's all there. Yes, it's all set up. It just needs a little catalyst, like a when you when you when you're car doesn't run, and then you put a little couple of drops of gas in the carburetor, and then it turns over. Do you keep pouring gas in? They'll fucking flood it, right? You just put a couple of things in, it catches the engine, and then it ignites. And then what? It drives. It drives. You don't have to sit there pouring more and more gas in. You got the result, yeah? And the beautiful thing in recovery, if you practice our principles, your functioning is what gets healed by AA because it's a sound way of living. It provides guardrails, like G-O-D rails, for people whose lives were unmanageable to sort of start looking like you have a manageability because of a surrender, yeah? And following the principles and the constant fellowship and all the uh, getting out of oneself by helping and doing service. It's an incredible way of life. And then in that way of life, it's a perfect way of life to entertain this possibility. It suits it. Now, to entertain this possibility without that functioning in place, I haven't seen that many people be successful. I've seen a lot of people who are extremely proficient in Buddhism, but they're still alcoholics. They drink like fishes and they're fucked, in a lot of ways. But they're fucked silently, or quietly, you know, or in robes. But they're still fucked. Yeah? Because they're functioning, there's something totally awry in their functioning, and it hasn't been corrected. And that will be an anchor to keep you here when all your imaginings are transcending. You'll be splat in this place. But AA provides a way of life, a way to function here, that allows, like, the agitation to chill out on the outside, yeah? So that the mind doesn't have to be so engaged in survival and consequences and drama, and it can entertain something else, yeah? So it's a perfect marriage. Because just, just everyone in this room, all they need is the catalyst. They have a way of life. This isn't about a program. This isn't, this message is not about a program of action, really. It isn't. You already have a program of action. It's a, it's actually an invitation or a message to entertain. While you're living the program of action, yes? Or whatever modality you're living in. If that mod- I remember I used to see a teacher in India. And every time someone would come, he'd want them to be the person who talks. And so everyone I saw, I was there like about 15 days, every person that showed up, he first asked, hey, are you okay? You got a place to stay tonight? Did you have enough food? Okay, then let's get on with it. Because if that's not the case, it's pointless to entertain this possibility. Because your mind will be engaged in either avoiding your, your circumstances or, you know, flipping out around them. There's no point to give this invitation when all this is going crazy, yeah? So uh, many of us have been introduced to a way of life that's work, that's working. The principles are sound. If we're living that way of life, it will sometimes bring us to the point where this is feasible, in a sense. You'll hear this information, and then you'll have the ability to receive it, and it won't be so whacked by what's happening outside, and it can sort of be entertained, yeah? And then the mind can entertain, hey, I'm not that. That's what happened with me. When I when I would go back after entertaining this idea, I was in a position of doing four-step workshops, so I had to look at especially how it works a lot. And I'd gone over it a lot. And then I would reread that, and every, the whole thing was a totally new download. The understanding that was present reading that book wasn't the understanding that was engendered when I used to read it, Yeah a whole new different understanding. Man, it was so freaking cool. Especially the word self. The word self was just like just like tons of meaning would come out of it. And all of them distilled into one very simple point. I'm not that. I'm not that. Yeah and that was like the ticket to freedom. From it, not for it. Most of us are living to get freedom for it. That's it, it eats up freedom. I mean, I was talking about, uh, I remember uh, I had very bad digestion. Did I do this Monday? I had very bad digestion for years, yeah? And I was trying a lot of things to get relief, you know, like most people would. And so I was buying super pricey probiotics from Whole Foods. You know, you get these little bottles of milk from Canada with like about... 12 billion. I would keep getting more. I figured if I had more billion cells of beneficial, it would change things. So these had the utmost, like, 15 billion in a little bottle. And I was drinking this stuff religiously for like a year and a half, two years, yeah. You know? And nothing really, you know, my head was waiting for something, thinking something was happening, but basically nothing was really happening. You know, some days I'd feel a little better, some days I wouldn't. But basically the state seemed to be And funky all the time. Yeah, and what I could eat was so narrowed down. I couldn't. I haven't had a fruit in years. (laughs) So, so then I decided I'm going to send my shit to a place. You can send it to. And there was a in the new age world. There's a place called Smoky Mountain Labs that was supposed to be the best lab. very, very. They'll find anything in there. So, and you check these boxes of what that you want them to look for, and you pay accordingly. So, I checked all the boxes. I sent it there, and I got the I got the results back, and I had zero beneficial intestinal flora. There was no sign of it. I've been drinking this stuff for two years. There was no sign of any of it. Not one bit. Not even a half of a percent. Zero. As if as it never ever happened. And know what happened was, there was something I wasn't aware of that was in the body. yeah. And it actually ate my solution. It was eating my solution. The problem was feasting on my own solution to it. <laughs> because I was unaware of what it was. So, in my unawareness, I thought I was doing what I needed to do, and it was the best thing to do, but actually, I was bringing it its food. It was feasting on these fuckers. I couldn't believe it, and that's exactly what happens here. If you don't, if the diagnos- diagnosis of the problem is a little off, it geometrically progresses. So, if you have a cold and you think you have the flu, and you buy a lot of flu medicine, you may get a little relief because they have similar symptoms, but not all. But you'll never get a radical re- relief because you misdiagnose. You don't have the flu; you have a cold. If you were taking cold medicine, you probably got the relief. So, if, if it is true, and I believe that the proof will be in the pudding, and I felt it happened with me radically for years now, that when I entertained that it was identification as self, so, I started to get those promises in the tenth step area. I stopped fighting everyone in anything. I was placed in a position of neutrality. The problem did not exist for me, because it was for long periods of stretches of time. It wasn't existing as me anymore. And they're both, that's it. If it's existing as you, it's got to be existing for you and then not existing for you occasionally. It's a dualistic expression, yeah? But if it doesn't exist as you, then that dualistic expression doesn't mean a fucking thing anymore. You're free from both. You're free from when you think you're free, and you're free from when you think you're bound, yeah? It's so freaking cool. Because now you have a stable understanding that's not built on the binary system. You're not taking where you are from this head, going, you're really close, you're really car. It's like that little kid game we used to play when we were kids. They'd hide something in the yard, and then they'd have all of us running around, and they'd say, all right, you're getting warm, you're getting warm, you're getting hot, and, oh, you're cold. That's just what it's like with us in relief and God. Oh, I, you know, if we do a retreat, we think, oh, we're closer to God. And then Monday when we go to work, we're far away from God. I would say, that's playing God, yeah. the whole, you know, in the program, you know it well. It's just the how and why of the whole program is to quit playing God. That's the how and why of it all. Of the third step is to quit playing God. Because it doesn't work. Selfing plays God. That's what it does. It tells you. When you're in a relationship with God as self, who's telling you how you're doing? God or self? I would say self is. (laughs) I would say that's the bigger God in the equation. Not, not the God you're approaching, but the God that's approaching it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's so clear. I don't know why I come here every week, 18, 19 years now. It's clear as a bell to me. But <laughs> hopefully it translates somehow. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's what occurred. It just the, the domino started to fall, and you know the problem by the solution. Really do. When there's a true absence of self, which is you're not identified as it's there's not an absence of selfing. That happens, it diminishes and it you know, sometimes it's its volume goes down, sometimes it increases. But the mental process will still be doing its verbing, which is selfing, yeah. You know, that's what it does. But if it's not uh, it, it's that little bit of a hook at the end where there's a belief that you are that, it's sort of like the mind's watching a verb, which is selfing, you, and then at a point it forgets it's watching it and then some of the verb becomes a noun and that's what the mind becomes. It becomes the noun the verbing is implying. Yeah? Or inferring. Yes? So the selfing is always inferring that there's a self. That's that's also a verb, but it, it goes like this in a way. The mind sees it in a, in a distorted way. Hey, I may possibly be that. And now you have a noun there. That's when the suffering starts because now... This noun, rooted in this identification, yeah? This noun, because it's very difficult to place a verb, but this noun can be placed somewhere else at some other time in the mind, yeah? In other words, my mind, the conditional mind can think of me as this somewhere else at some other time. So it can project me next week. And it projects me in certain situations next week, like maybe destitution. And then it gets really concerned about the destitution. And it triggers, while it's obsessing over this, it triggers a physiological effect of fear now in the body. But it's really mental anxiety. See, the potential for fear is imminent in the body. It's one of its conditionals. yeah? It's meant to be there. The fear, The emotion of fear is valid. It's a good fear. And some people in AA have a healthy fear of that way of life drinking. That's like the remembrance of the body, in a way, from going through all that hell. That's a fucking good, you know, that has wisdom in it. But mental anxiety is made out of nothing. It's like thoughts about what's not happening. And then having an effect here, in what's happening. It's amazing. So people, most of the time, you can see it at meetings, this meeting (coughs) or other meetings, when they're flipped out, they're not responding to what's happening here. They're reacting to someone, something that's not happening. They're in the mental realm. Their interest and attention is just traveling in that giant theater with you as the central star, yeah? Just projecting it back then and over there and here and there, but never, never very rarely landing here, which is the only place it's going on, yeah? All the thinking is going on now, but what it's about is there and then, Yeah. So you're getting sucked into a mental realm, and anything can happen in what's going to happen. Really. I have nothing to sort of be an antidote to what's not happening. If I'm totally into what's not happening, anything can happen. And I can't, I don't have this being here now as an antidote to it, so I'm going to be just, I'm going to be living in false evidence appearing real, like the thing called Fear false evidence will be appearing real about me somewhere else at some other time, and I have no immunity to it. Because this anchor, being here, isn't uh, being attended to at all. Yeah. So you're totally at the effect of what's not happening. And the immunity that really, the, first, the beginning immunity is that, is to recognize what's happening. Because what's happening has that one quality, that what's not happening does not have, which is it's happening. You may not like it or not, but it's happening. Yes, this is the this is the antidote to all the possibilities. of what's not happening is actually what's happening. <laughs> if you if when you see what's not happening what's not happening, what's there to do? What do you have to do when you recognize something's not happening? Nothing. It doesn't take any time. It's not a time based solution. And it's not a process-based solution because it doesn't take any time to sort of get away from what's not happening because it's not happening. <laughs> it would take time to get away from something real, but it doesn't take any time to get away from something unreal because you don't have to get away from it, first of all. <laughs> you see, the flavor of timelessness is, is the expression of the solution. It's not a time-based solution. We need a time-based solution when we first come in because of the functioning spot. Yeah? And so we need to function in the level we're at at that time and then promote ourselves to get to another point where the agitation of mind chills out, chills out, and then it can start entertaining things. It can't entertain when everything's crazy. Yeah? I've never seen too many, like... uh, I don't like to use the awakened, but I haven't met that many awakened junkies. Yeah, you know, I haven't met any <coughs> junkies that are just, you know, they know it's all a game and a charade. No, they're quite quite serious about what's happening. Yeah? There's a lot of investment in that. So this, so this point, we have the functioning, we have a way of life. We don't need a way of life because this isn't a way of life. This isn't. This just illuminates whatever way of life you're in. Yeah. It's not a way of life, though, because there's no teaching at all. And there's no things to do. The, ba- the barest method is self-inquiry, where you ask a subjective question. So you use the selfing to ask itself, "What's who is it? That works, but that's basically it, really. There's nothing more to do. We have a way of life already. We do that way of life. And that makes things sort of manageable. And it takes care of the manifestation very well, yeah? Because the mental, this is a mental disease, but this illuminates the way of life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it allows the supposed someone to travel incredibly lighter in that way of life. As long as it's a sound way of life, which AA is, perfectly suited for our mentality. Yeah, this thing will you will that will be taken care of, and then the illumination will come from what you're entertaining. Yeah. That's the extra little turbocharge we're not getting at sometimes, because it's all about doing and having, having gets all carried all the way through. Doing and having has its role in the beginning, but as it says in that statement after step 10, some things are gonna happen with no thought or effort on our part. That means that modality of doing and having does not apply to certain levels of the solution. It does not apply there. If you try to do and have yourself into that, it doesn't work. Yeah? That is more of like a, it's a... At that point, you're in the I don't know, yeah, and then you're finding out. Yeah. You're in this, like the highest form of minds so in Zen, they would say, is I don't know, or the beginner mind. So in that I don't know, what would happen in life if you don't know? You'll find out. That's how it will work. Yeah? You don't know, literally, and so you're open to what? Finding out. So there's an in, in, like an inbred awareness and alertness there in the state of I don't know because you don't know, so you're open to check things out, and in checking things out you find out, and finding out is much more convincing than knowing. I'll tell you in my own experience, knowing is mostly up here, and it can be it can seem to be convincing and then unconvincing, and it doesn't really hold water when the shit hits the fan. That well, it really does. It all crumbles cigars. But finding out is a deeper knowledge, yeah? You get convinced in your gut area, not up here. And in that finding out, this can really it's a good damn anchor. Because the mind can spin some incredible little appetizers. It can with you as the hook. It really can as a you. Yeah. It's not it's got a powerful drive to be you. And it will present you in a lot of different lights, like it says, or it manifest in many different ways, yeah? But this when there's a convincing, that's a stabilizing force. You're basically awake to it. And so false evidence appears as just that false evidence, yeah? It doesn't translate into appearing real. You play that role. It can only appear real to you. So that's where the role of selfing is. False evidence in selfing appears real. If you're not identified as self, false evidence will appear to be false. Yeah? There's not much you need to do again. Because it's really hard to try to change real evidence into false evidence. That's where rationalization, excuses, blame, all that bullshit comes. Yeah? But when it's seen as false evidence, there's not much to do. Yeah? There's just it's just like that. There's a pause here. That's what's so beautiful. When it's recognized, it stops everything in its tracks and there's a pause. A pause is like a, a moment of eternity. It senses it's pregnant with possibility. So you you see something as false and the whole train gets cut off and there's space, yeah? a piece, of pause, I like to call it. And that pause is like that's a that's a juicy download, yeah. a juicy download when this pause can be entertained strongly instead of all the chatter that's causing it not to seem like a pause. That's really, that's a nice way to go, yeah. All these hooks that you're, you're really strung up on get loosened. And you don't even know them until you're loosened from them. You don't even know how deep these hooks may be. But you do know when they're taken out, you yeah? You don't know when you're in. Okay, and a big dilemma in our program is self-knowledge, you know? It says self-knowledge will avail us nothing. And yet knowledge is hold, held very valuable here, but he's telling us self-knowledge avails us nothing. So I feel the way I interpret that is any knowledge claimed by self avails us nothing because it doesn't lead us to freedom from it. It just becomes a professor of its own fucking activities. Yeah, it studies itself. Yeah? But no freedom occurs. You can pontificate to others, but fuck, you're fucked up anyway. It's like in Course in Miracles it says there's so many unhealed healers going on. They're unhealed healers. They think they know something, there's a sense of knowledge, but it doesn't translate. Yeah? It's a radical relief. But... But if, if there's knowledge of self and not held as self, that can be incredible because you don't know what you are, but you can see what you're not. You can really see what you're not. It's being presented all day. yeah. And if you really want to take it far, everything you see cannot be you. Yeah? It's like the eye can never turn around and see itself. It's just seeing. Yeah? It's never going to get a glimpse of itself. It's true nature isn't of a thing, it's of a It's a verb. It's a no thing. Its true nature is seeing. There's no one to see. Its true nature is seeing. That to me is what awareness is. There's nothing that's aware. It's just awareness. Awareness is the thing. It's a no thing. But what we call thing, that's what awareness is. But it's not a thing like a noun. It's a verb. You can't see it all you can do is sense it by seeing because it's happening right now every one of us is in the in, in right in the midst of the experience called seeing yeah we're all seeing something we're seeing an object now we may believe the mind wants to say that it's me seeing it this but in fact this is like a claiming of the seeing it comes after the seeing yeah the seeing happens or the conscious contact and then the mental process Claims it and says, I'm seeing. So it, here's the seeing, and here's the mental process. The mental process tries to put itself before the seeing and claim it, and now become the seer. I'm seeing you. I'm hearing. I'm feeling. I'm tasting. But you know that's not true, isn't it? If your ears are pointing a certain way, you're hearing whatever's happening over there. If a bird come in this room and your eyes are open, you're going to see it. And you may have a big opinion. I don't want to see any birds today. And there's a bird you just saw. I mean, it's always disputing your claim of being the one who's doing it. (laughs) I got some new information. Again, they talked about free will, where when a person makes a choice, seven seconds before the brain lit up and didn't make the choice. And then there's the narration that it was you that chose. The brain is totally making... Let's say it's not making a choice. Maybe the brain is going through options, yeah. And like in a computer, it, pick, it picks out what it thinks is the best option based on the conditioning it has, yeah? That would be a choice. It's not like free will. But then, seven seconds later, the voiceover comes up and says, I chose to do that. <laughs> We're on a time delay. <laughs> The balls are already been thrown by the time we put up the mitt. <laughs> we gotta make up a story of the game because we didn't catch anything. Shit. Oh. I did it! I did it! <laughs> and then it tells you a big story about you doing it. But there's the ball. <laughs> you missed the whole thing. Oh, no, I did. I caught it. It's not in there. You make up a big story. Where's the ball? Well, I don't know. Someone took it. It was here earlier. You must have taken it. I blame you for it, though. No. <laughs> you know,
1: there's no evidence
0: you've been alive. <laughs> so there's a freedom, bro. I'm telling you. You know, it's not up to me to push it on anybody, but I know I'm gonna. It's been my seat assignment, so to speak, to share it. Because I would have liked to have heard it in AA when I came in. I didn't hear it anymore. So now it's available to be heard would have saved me a lot of plane tickets to India (laughs) and shit. I would have heard it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So So if you look at it, if you see it's not you, immediately the mind can entertain being free of it. Then it will start start coming out of that mental yogic posture of selfing and come out and in the coming out that's the space you feel. Just like when you do service, you know. When you do service in recovery, this is what after years of being put in those positions. This is how I see it. So here you are in selfing. And of course, there's a need to get relief. Yes? Now before, when we felt like that, we'd drink or do something or whatever. Now in in AA, when you feel like that, you try to help someone. Yeah? And we found another method that works better than the ones we used to follow. Which is, okay, you're feeling a little irritable, go to a meeting and talk to a newcomer after the meeting. Yeah? And then what would happen is... I would feel a sense of like ease or like lightness because I, and that to me was being available to another person. That's what happened. Instead of being so caught up in the porno theater up here, which watching Paul do Dallas and shit, and whatever Dallas doing me, I got out and in that availability, what did I sense? I sensed the presence. For many people, that's what they'll say. That's when they feel their higher power is when they do service they get out of themselves they feel available to another and then they feel a presence yeah but what occurs is there's, it, it's it constantly goes back to the to this the old format of selfing again and then it builds up and then there's a need to do service and we know that in recovery so we make commitments and we have all these ways to get out of oneself yeah so that we can keep triggering that effect, and hopefully something will short-circuit the constant, you know, bringing it back to you again, and then getting into you, and then feeling that irritable wrestling and then doing service. What would happen, though, if one of those times, here you are, in self, and seemingly, you get available, and you sense a presence. I would say the presence is what you are. I would say you are actually the presence that you're feeling when you're out of self. Can you imagine if the mind could entertain it with that. Then if it does, it starts realizing its presence, which makes it available. Yeah? Obviously the word just implies that presence means it's available. And if it's available, what is it? It's of service, yeah. So here in one format you're doing an act to get a little relief. In another way you've realize you are the relief and then you're doing the acts naturally. Yes? was you're of service in a, in a commitment or not a commitment yeah it's just a radical big move big big freaking move instead of like you know okay back on the thing you know, go in service help someone new coming to not you're actually quantum leapt into something else where now you are all there the availability is always available at all times doesn't mean you're sensing at all times but it's available. And that availability makes you of service. I mean that's your posture now. You're ab- you're able to be of service. Why? Because you're available. And what's the true service? The presence. Yeah. See the difference? One is like a doing and a having, but always reasserting the same format that produced the irritability. You yeah, doing service as a self always promotes going back to the idea of a self. Now you think you're a, you know, a spiritual self or you have a lot of sponsors or whatever. Now you're thinking you got going on. I'm a sort of a guru in AA or whatever, you know? The mind will just claim everything that it can get out of the situation. But that can be, it can be whacked in a way by just entertaining, I am that, that which is sensed when I'm out of self. Instead of... Regrouping and thinking, I'm the one who had the experience of presence, which is the claiming of self, claiming the presence, which makes it not, what? Not present. It makes it an experience, which is going to be told if you're going to have it or not by your fucking head, usually. The other way, it makes it always available at all times, always available at all times. No matter how deep the shit you think you're in, no matter how long you think you took to get there, there's an instantaneous opportunity to be relieved of it. Instantaneous. Because it's not of time. No matter how much you've been thinking about something, no matter how much you get twisted,
1: if the mind can
0: just come out of that ass of self, you know, pop out of there, it doesn't take any time to sense the freedom from self because it's actually the fact of the situation. There's an inherent freedom from self here. Not there, especially not there and then. There is no freedom from self there. When you travel, when your attention interest goes on those thought trains into time, you're fucked one level or another. You're being bound right there. The the handcuffs are being tightened right there with all your little, oh, that was wonderful back then. Oh got something we have to do three months from now let's go over it tonight and stuff like that, no it's just like insanity really there's an awareness of now and then the value is of now and this is where I believe if you want to call the higher power something I would say it's a present tense verb You know, this is where it is this is this activity and I believe we're a present tense verb I would say we're the exact same thing we're looking for so if you entertain that, you don't need to look for it. So it's because it's always available at all times. <laughs> so its effects are available. Maybe not all the time at the same degree, but that will grow too. We can. That's what occurs. The potential is unlimited. You just need to entertain. And with this message, all you need is a little catalyst every once in a while. I find for most people, yeah, they need a little repetition. Gets and then couple of drops of gas, and then they have the ability to drive around, no, you know, it's not like a a shuttle service here, you're not going to get shuttled to Nirvana here, you just drop in, go, you go, fuck. everyone drive around, yeah, travel lighter, that's the whole point, yeah, can't change the geography of your life maybe, but you can travel lighter over it, definitely, because this is a subjective experience here, and it's either going to be heavy, and light, and a lot of degrees in between, yeah. It's either going to be heavy or light, with a lot of different degrees, from really, really heavy to really, really light. I know one way it's very heavy, which is obsession identification as self. Even the promise of light gets heavy in selfing. Even the promise of light gets heavy in becomes dogmatic and a belief and fucking you blame others for not having it and fucking like that. It's really crazy shit. The heaviness goes everywhere you go, even to the light, yeah? But the lightness, man, is a nice way to travel. And you'll know the tree by the fruits. the I mean, good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. can't see the tree, because there's no thickness, but you'll intimate it by the fruit, you know? And... Hopefully, you, hopefully you've reached a point where you you have the ability to be convinced. Most people in the beginning of AA have no ability to be convinced. It they need so many heavy fucking consequences finally to have it collapse because they have no ability to be convinced. I mean, if this was an objective world, we could have convinced the first night we used. We could have seen the whole enchilada that one night, what was going to happen. But there was such an incredible drive the parasite was so powerful that uh, there's no convincing it. If you waste any time trying to have it you know, mm-hmm. agree with you, you're wasting your fucking time to me. I've seen it. I've seen people like I make a vow from here, the next day they break it like that. They were totally convinced and now they're unconvinced in like an hour or two. this The convincing happens here. That's so why I try to remind my friend, guys I work with, once the guy was bitching about this trip he had to take for two weeks to Russia, he got back, it went out great, I say, fucking honor that. Honor that it worked out. Don't go immediately to the next thing to worry about. Honor it, you know, break the freaking pattern. Honor it. When, when it demonstrates that it's working, stop. Honor that demonstration. Instead of just going into the next demonstration of your worship of the mind, yeah? pledging allegiance to all that anxiety about what's not happening when something just happened and you just moved right by it. Yet you were totally afraid of what was going to happen on that trip. Totally obsessed with it. It worked out great. Okay, let's move on to get obsessed and worry about something else. Stop, honor it, shit. That's what, the honoring of it, it sort of makes it a little more obvious, yeah? I mean, it is like a thing of faith here. You know, the faith is going to manifest with whatever vehicle you put it in. This is a place of manifestation. You know what I mean? Mind is no thingness; It's imminent. And here it takes on a manifestation, obviously. And it's a dualistic one. So, there's faith. There's an aspect of mind called faith. Or let's say a deep conviction that produces an incredible peace of mind. Yeah, Faith. And yet here... It's manifested, or how it appears here, is what vehicle you put it in. So many people have put it into their thought system. They are believing the thoughts that are playing in their head. And their devotion, instead of like this, is like this. They're fucking anxious. They're making anxiety out of what's not happening all day. And they're worshipping every production of it. The same faith they put into, let's say... Not put into anything, just take it out of that. Take it out of that. That thing produces an ease and comfort in your own skin. It's the exact same energy. It matters where it's put in. If it's put into your mind and your thoughts, it's going to produce a lot of anxiety. If it's put into something other than that, let's just say it's extracted from that. I don't think you have to go any farther. Just extract it from that. You don't extract it, but entertain. You're not that, yeah. Then it gets extracted, and that faith translates to an ease and comfort now. It's totally applicable now. Yeah? Same energy. And everyone has tons of faith. It's just what they put in it. You know, where, like in AA, it says, why are you in so much fear? And it gives you a very succinct answer. Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? We're relying on something that's unreliable. A system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. What's the center of that system? Self. You want relief from the effects of that system? Entertain what the center is. If it's not you, it will diminish the power of the system on for sure. You, know, you take out that, and then the whole it diminishes. Then you know you're onto something. When you try to work on all the periphery and try to make it this little defect and that defect a little better, it's just busy, busy, busy. It's like slavery, isn't? It? But when the center drops out, the whole system weakens because the system is built on the self. Your interest in the thoughts are because they're about you or you're the thinker of them. You You have immunity. If someone else, if John came over to your house and talked about, and he was being driven insane by thoughts going on in his head, you would have an immunity to it, Casey, because they were his thoughts. The same thoughts, if they were held in your head as yours, they'd be probably driving you crazy. So it's not the thought that drives us crazy. It's the mind of the thought. Mind. That's the act of being identified. That's the self. Yeah. The self uses a system and, causes, and produces a slavery to it as the only idea. You become God. And then it plays God. check it out. Does it play God? When you wake up in the morning and it tells you what the day is going to be like before you even get up, I would say that's an act of playing God. When you look at someone, you oh, I know exactly who he is. That's an act of playing God. When it tells you what's going to happen to you and what's not happening, and there's a huge belief in it, I would say you're a great devotee of playing God. It says, oh, yes, you'll be destitute next week. (laughs) I would imagine you're a devotee to that, to have such a quick response to it's a little entertaining, yeah? That's playing God. Quit playing God. I Or admit I'm not what plays God. That's how it worked for me. If I try to quit playing God, that's an act of playing God again, yeah? Yeah? If I try to quit playing God, just like if I study, take a two-year course of how to get out of the obsession with self, that could be obsession with self. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. It's actually trying to get out of self as being in self. It's another form of it. Yeah? When you try to move away from something, you give it a meaning of it being real. Yeah? So what the greatest way... Like... What if you keep applying solutions to an imaginary problem, that becomes a big problem. A solution will not. Check out the solutions here. They they're like ephemeral. They dissipate so quickly because we're applying them to an imaginary problem. We're applying them to an imaginary problem. There is no self. There is no self. It's a mental process. I don't know what we are, but we're not a self. So when that imaginary problem is held as if it's the solutions imply that it's real. Yeah. You give it all the meaning it has. By applying solutions and solutions, solutions to it, you're giving it the meaning of being real. What would you need to do? Just like what's not happening, what would you need to do when you recognize it's an imaginary problem? Absolutely nothing. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely nothing. You're not proactive. (laughs) You're not trying to wrestle it or defeat it or kill it. You're just seeing. I'm not that. And then then you lose interest in it. Yeah? I saw it happen with me when when thoughts were held as alcoholic (laughs) thoughts. As soon as I made that leap from... These are my thoughts. No one's had these thoughts before. No one's had my feelings. No one's done the heinous things I've done. And I go to meetings and people did what I used to do. And they think like I do. And they feel like I do. I had to come to two conclusions. Either they have my thoughts or they're not my thoughts. When I held them as alcoholic thoughts, what happened? I had some relief. And then the next, they're not even, they're not even. (laughs) Alcoholic thoughts are still a a sense of mine because I'm an alcoholic, seemingly. When the next stage happened, they're not my thoughts. That was a big space. Woo! That's how you know the problem by the solution. You entertain something if it radically shifts you, you're to something. Yeah. If you keep entertaining something and it's not working, and you keep blaming yourself, that's fucking selfing to a tenth degree. A lot of people are riding dead horses, and they're blaming the jockey. You're constantly blaming you, me, you, me. But the fucking systems fail. It doesn't work. This produced a result. I'd like to see it in, established in AA one day. I would. You know, that's so people that... Uh, you know, because a lot of times people get the functioning down and after a few years there's something missing. They want, they don't know what it is. It's not seemingly available. You know, they've got... Things are working and like that. Usually I used to meet a lot of people. Nine to eleven years, they'd start wanting another thing, not like an incessant seeking, but there was something, like I was once in a program called the Lancy Street, yeah, and after being in there, it was a 24-7 program, after about 12 months of being in there or more, I realized I needed something else, I didn't know what else, not else, it could be in there, and so I asked these people that had been in there for 20 years, and from their sharing, I came to a conclusion it wasn't there, Yeah. I didn't know what I was needed, but I had a feeling they needed something, And that it wasn't in Delancey Street. And so I made a decision to graduate. I was probably going to do it anyway, but I knew there's something I need, which at this really was a spiritual solution. uh, You know, I needed AA actually. And they didn't have it there. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't there. That's sort of what happens a lot. There's something that's missing for some of us. And I'm hoping that this could be it, you know? It was for me. It just turbo my program. I probably go to more meetings now when I don't need to go than I ever did when I needed to go. When I needed to go, there's a big resistance to going. When you don't need to go, you just go. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's not a big deal. Really. When I needed to go, no, I don't need to go. Now it's like, fuck it, I just go. <laughs> yeah. It's just a new way of going around new modality shift out of this primary number one mathematics to a primary number zero mathematics, yeah? The equations get lighter, things seem to work out, there's more possibilities, but when it's one, uh, that primary number one just makes it all gooey in there, yeah? Because you have so many ideas how it should be, and how it should be, and this and that, but zero is really freedom, yeah? It's a really nice space, so all the equations have zero in them and now things just work out a lot better, a lot lighter, even if they don't work out better. The way I travel with them is they work working out better. <laughs>